Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Kulays. Welcome to the Barca Talk podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in Paris, actually. I'm still traveling around this month, so I'm currently in Paris trying to stay cool in this heat wave that seems to be following me from Madrid. But in today's show, I am joined by Ben Hayward, who is... Uh, become a friend of the show. Uh, he's a journalist and he has some great insight on La Liga. So I thought it'd be a great chance to catch up with him and get a quick La Liga preview, especially with the start of the season coming up this weekend as Barcelona face Raya Vallecano. Before we get to that quick conversation, we recorded this uh, this afternoon. This is Friday. Ben was actually on the road at a train station, so there is some background noise there, but I try to clean it up as best I could, so hopefully it doesn't take away from the awesome insights that he has on La Liga. Last thing, just wanted to highlight our Patreon community. Uh, if you think you want to support the podcast, think about joining our Patreon community. It's only $5 a month. In it, uh, we have our WhatsApp community that is worldwide, a lot of fun. We also have added a weekly trivia, and also you get commercial feed podcast as well so if you want to join click on the show notes or just visit our website or social media without further ado here is my conversation with ben hayward so i'm joined by ben hayward uh one of my favorite football journalists he's on the road right now so you can hear the background noise he was nice enough to join us at victoria station ben how's it going hi gabrielle how you doing always a pleasure man yeah, so I wanted to get you on because we have La Liga starting. I don't know if it's finally starting. I don't know how you're feeling, especially with no World Cup. It feels like the summer's been kind of empty without football. But I'm, I'm definitely really excited about La Liga starting this weekend. And I wanted to get you on to kind of get your insights about other teams outside of Barcelona. Obviously, we'll talk a little Barcelona. But uh, how are you feeling about the start of La Liga? Yeah, no, good, man. It's, it seems like it's been a while, doesn't it, you know, um, since we've had La Liga. Uh, Spanish football, so yeah, I'm happy that it's all starting again. Obviously, uh, other leagues have already got underway, Premier League and uh, France, Bundesliga, etc. So uh, yeah, happy to have La Liga back, definitely. Yeah, and Barcelona plays Rayo Vallecano this weekend on Saturday, so that'll be exciting to see. Uh, you know, first and foremost, if Barcelona can get those players registered for the match, I don't think they're going to be able to do it, but we'll see what Xavi lines up. But just really quick, what do you think of the moves that Barcelona have been able to do uh, this offseason? Well, you know, amazing for a club that's one billion plus euros in debt to be able to bring in those kind of players. Um, incredible, really. Uh, I think they've done really well. I think um, I think they're, they're great signings, particularly uh, Lewandowski. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think Rafinha is, is very exciting. Winger, obviously wanted by a a number of Premier League clubs as well. Uh, Kessie, I like. Um, yeah, I think they're going to be very good. And renewing Dembélé, I think, also is a is, uh, is is very important. And obviously, something that Xavi spoke about 
even from his very first press conference, uh, something that he wanted to do. It looked like it wasn't going to happen. And then uh, obviously they've um, reached an agreement for him to stay two more years. I think Barcelona have done really well. You know, it's risky uh, because um, they've had to um, sell off you know, some big chunk of their future TV rights. Their in-house production company, I've just read that they're activating uh, another lever probably today in order to register all of their players. So I think they're going to be able to register them all in time. Uh, it's very last minute. It's risky. Uh, but if it comes off, I think it could be spectacular. And I think it's a step up definitely from the squad that, that Xavi had last season. Yeah. And I, yeah, as we're, as we're recording, it, it literally just happened. So he did activate, it seems, the fourth lever. And we always joke around in Barca uh, Twitter and so forth in our community that, you know, we imagine Laporta in the steam room, like pulling these levers, you know, for these economic palencas, you know, that's how I imagine it. But it seems that they just activated. So like you said, if this happens, uh, they'll be able to register those players. So I kind of want to just go through La Liga as a whole landscape and just kind of want to go through some of the teams and some of the things and the news that I've kind of uh, mentioned. The first one is obviously Real Madrid. Real Madrid last season pulled the double with winning La Liga and obviously the Champions League. Would you say it's, it's a two-team race between Barcelona and Madrid for La Liga title? I think it is, Gabriel, because if you look at Atletico, they haven't really uh, done much this summer in terms of strengthening. They had a very disappointing season last season, uh, when you know, which they went into as champions, and with what looked like a very good chance to defend their title. A lot of people, um, when Ancelotti took over at Real Madrid, didn't expect Real Madrid to have a good season. Obviously, it turns out to be the opposite. Barcelona under Koeman obviously initially struggled and then were way off the pace by the time that Xavi took over. Uh, so I think last season was very disappointing from Atletico. And I can't really see them improving massively upon that. Obviously, Luis Suarez has left. Um, yeah, Morata has gone back. But they haven't done a great deal in the transfer market to make me think that they're going to challenge. So I think it's, it's a two-horse race, again, for La Liga this time around, Barcelona-Madrid. Yeah, it's quite interesting because when I first arrived to Spain, Madrid was always the drama and the off-season uh, rumors were always happening with Madrid. And now that's kind of flipped now because Madrid has been relatively quiet in that department, I would say in the last two to three seasons, pretty much. You know, obviously with the Gareth Bale saga that always seemed to continue. But I think, recently, you know, especially this summer, we're just kind of making some really nice signings with Rudiger, especially. I think that is going to be a really nice fit for them. Uh, I think, you know, it's definitely going to be uh, theirs to lose. And I think Barcelona has a lot to do, you know, especially with the players that they're signing for Xavi to find the real starting 11 going forward. That's going to take some time. And I think if Madrid, as we've seen in the, the the Super Cup this past week, they just know when to get into gear and score those crucial goals and just get victories. Yeah, no, I do see that. Um, obviously, Real Madrid, you talk about the, the, the summer signings, you know, they've only made two, really, with uh, Rudiger, who you mentioned, and, and Chouamini, who I think is going to be a very exciting player for them. It's because, I guess, they have found some stability you know, the last few years. They've been, uh, obviously, last season they won the Champions League, uh, but they've been doing well in La Liga. Uh, Ancelotti brings this kind of um, peace, really, uh, and stability to the club, as well as all his experience and his, his tactical analysis as well. 
I just think that uh, obviously they come into the season, they, they've won four trophies already in 2022, the Supercopa, La Liga, Champions League, and now the, the Super Cup. So, yeah, why shouldn't they be favourites? They have all that stability, which they haven't probably had you know, in years gone by, which is why they're scrambling to sign lots of players in the summer when they were playing catch-up with Barca. And now it's Barca playing catch-up with Madrid. And it's Barca who've signed you know, um, five players this summer uh, and you know we need the contract of a couple of others but um, I don't know you know Real Madrid won La Liga last season with 86 points and obviously way ahead of, of uh, Real Madrid uh, way ahead of Atletico and Sevilla but you know with Barca stepping up this season which I think they will given their, their squad improvements given that Xavi now has probably uh, the kind of squad that he would have wanted to have from the very start, but you know, taking over mid-season last season without the the ability to bring in new players was difficult, and they were way behind, of course. Now um, I think they're probably going to to get off to a strong start. Obviously, as you as you say, you know, they'll need to find their way, find the best eleven. Uh, but the, you know, preseason has been been positive. The the Gamper, they scored some incredible goals. I, I think it's exciting for Barcelona. They have real options, and you know, Madrid. I think we'll need to step up themselves um, if they want to win La Liga this season. And, and Casemiro hinted at that um, the other night after the, uh, the, Super, the Super Cup. He said that you know they'll have to do even better. 86 points, probably not going to be enough this season if, if Barca um, are as good as I expect them to be. And uh, if you look at Angelotti's record as uh, a league manager, it seems crazy to say it. Of course, he's the only manager... Uh, ever to have won all of Europe's top five leagues, you know, um, Spain, France, uh, Italy, Germany, and France. Uh, and he's won one of each, um, which is very impressive. But you're talking in, in a coaching career uh, spanning um, 20, more than 25 years now at some of the biggest clubs in Europe. I still think there's a question mark over his league record. Uh, obviously, he's, he's uh, won the Champions League four times. His record in, in cup con- competitions is is outstanding as well. But in a league, um, there are some question marks still over his record, over the, the intensity week in, week out to uh, uh, to grind out results. You haven't seen an Ancelotti team, you know, win 100 points, for example, or 95 points um, to, to claim a league title. So if Barcelona are really strong this season and are, are pushing the, uh, the standards up even higher... I think Real Madrid might, might find it difficult to, to live with that. And, of course, they're very reliant upon Karim Benzema once again. Uh, you know, extraordinary year that he's had. But if for any reason he's out, I still think they're in a bit of trouble, really. Yeah, it's a great point on the Ancelotti record, uh, especially his career spanning more than 20 years like that. The other thing, too, is I think with the Pichichi Award, I think Lewandowski and Benzema are going to be pushing each other. We could see one of those career years and goal scoring, for, you know, for La Liga, uh, for these players, especially trying to, you know, out outnumber each other essentially every weekend. So I think that's going to be exciting for fans of both teams. And like you said, I think the dependency on Benzema is supreme. And like you said, if anything happens to him, especially, you know, with older age, I know he's in great shape. But if anything happens where he's uh, limited or, you know, injured for more than five matches, then all of a sudden it becomes Vinicius. Uh, dependent, and I don't know if he's can do it all by himself. So that's going to be curious to see. And like always with these two teams, it's all about fast starts and who can maintain that pace 
uh, for the rest of the season. Now, if we talk about the top four, is there any surprising team that can make the jump like Villarreal? Do you see a Villarreal situation where they could maybe make the fold in the top four? Or do you think it's going to be something like Sevilla, Barca, Madrid and um, Atletico Madrid? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Gabriel. I think, um, um, you know, just to add one point previously on, on what you said about uh, Benzema, and this applies to Lewandowski as well, and, and lots of different players. It's a, there's a World Cup in the middle of the season. You know, uh, Benzema for years and years and years wasn't playing international football. Now he's got a World Cup in the middle of the season. So that could have an effect as well. Um, well. We'll have to see. But as you say, he keeps himself supremely fit. So, um, yeah, Real Madrid will be hoping that, that he stays fit. Because as we saw in the Classico last season, um, when he's not playing, it's a very, very different Real Madrid. Uh, moving on to your next question, though. Um, yeah, I do see Villarreal having a stronger season. I think last season was disappointing in terms of La Liga. They finished seventh. They, uh, I suppose, um, were distracted um, by their you know, deep run in the Champions League, which was historic uh, you know, for a club like Villarreal. And, uh, and you know, why not? Because uh, it's not every year you get the chance to, to go all the way to the, to the semifinals of the Champions League. So um, I think they'll do better this season. They, they were without Gerard Moreno uh, for a, a long, big chunk of time last season. He's their best player. Uh, so if he, he stays fully fit this season, I do think they'll do better. They're in the, the, um, the uh, Europa uh, Conference League this season, but that's not going to be um, a, a big distraction like the Champions League. So, yeah, I expect them to challenge for the, the Champions League spots, definitely. And, um, yeah, I think Sevilla might find it difficult this season. They've lost their two first-choice centre-backs, uh, Koundé, obviously, to Barcelona, and, and uh, Diego Carlos uh, to Aston Villa. And, you know, that partnership was so important for them. Um, had a difficult time in pre-season. They got you know, uh, thrashed by Arsenal 6-0 uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so um, I could potentially see Sevilla dropping down out of the top four. And I think there's a place there to be had, maybe for Villarreal, maybe for Athletic. Uh, obviously, Ernesto Valverde is back. And, um, you know, club legend. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, how they can do, even though it's essentially the same squad because they can't really sign any players due to their Basque uh, only policy but uh, yeah I think there's, there's a place there to perhaps to be up for grabs and uh, yeah perhaps Real, perhaps uh, Athletic uh, it'd be interesting to see if Real Sociedad can, can challenge as well they, they often start the season well but, but tend to fade uh, but they're another likeable team who, who could do well and Betis who was so good last season um, perhaps in the mix as well although they've had a, a bit of a difficult summer yeah, that was going to be my next team I wanted to highlight with Sevilla because, you know, Sevilla is always on the cusp of that top four where they do really wear well in the UEFA, you know, tournaments, as you know, we saw with in the last couple of years uh, winning those titles. But, man, this offseason has been really weird. They lose, obviously, Conde and their center back pairing. They haven't replaced that. They, uh, Monchi basically backed uh, Lopetegui. I'm not the biggest fan of Lopetegui. Uh, I just don't see, I don't know. I, I have a lot of issues with him, but we'll, that's for another topic. But the other thing, too, is the Isco signing. I, you know, I like Isco as a player. I think he's an exciting player. I just don't know how he's going to fit in the Sevilla team, and I still think he's going to be a little bit lost this season. And like you said earlier, with World Cup coming up, everyone 
needs playing time, right? This, this is the first time the World Cup is inside the season. And most of these players are just looking for opportunities and playing time. And I don't know if Isco is the right fit at Sevilla. What do you think about that signing? Did you did, Was it a head scratcher for you? Because I thought maybe Isco could go to, I don't know, maybe more I don't know, Betis, for example. Like if he would have gone to Betis, I would have said, wow, that's okay. More offensive. Like he wouldn't have to do anything defensively. Like he would be, I think he'd fit pretty well in Betis. But with Sevilla, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. What, what are your thoughts on, on that signing? No, I can I can definitely see your point in terms of work rate and um, defensive contribution. Isco wouldn't necessarily be uh, a player who would you would think would fit in well to this Sevilla side. But you have to remember, of course, that um, Isco was a key player for um, Lopetegui in his uh, Spain side uh, and was you know playing perhaps his best football if you go back to. Um, yeah, before the, the 2018 World Cup, obviously Lopetegui lost his job on the eve of the, the tournament when the announcement was made that he was going to Real Madrid the next season. Uh, you know, and everything went wrong for Spain in that World Cup. But in, in the build-up to that World Cup, Isco was very, very important. He played um, wonderfully in that um, friendly against Argentina in Madrid, uh, you know, in the build-up to that World Cup. And, and then he was, you know, quite a key player in, for Lopetegui at Real Madrid as well, even though things didn't go well there. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a bit of a change of style, but many Sevilla fans are unhappy at the way that, that Sevilla play, uh, thinking that they're over-defensive, that they don't like the style of football. So those kind of um, rumbles of discontent could definitely grow if Sevilla, you know, it's all right when they're winning matches, when they're you know, in the Champions League positions when they're challenging for, for trophies. But if, um, you know, results dip and the football's still not exciting, then um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't know exactly how, how Isco's going to fit in, but I am quite excited to, to see him in, in that Sevilla side. I think, it, you know, he's still got a lot to offer. And as I say, Lopetegui's a big fan. They've, they've linked up well before, so it could work. Yeah, and especially with the last two seasons, he hasn't really played anything, so he'll be looking to definitely uh, get all the minutes that are available there. Uh, really quick with Athletic uh, Bilbao, obviously with the return of Ernesto Valverde as head uh, manager there, do you see them uh, fighting for the fourth place? Because, you know, I always have this weird little theory with Bilbao, especially as you mentioned with the basketball players, that every time they have a new uh, manager that first season, they perform really really well optimal and then after those years they kind of have a hard time returning to that optimal form under that manager now i know ernest ernest valverde already has managed some of these players before in his previous uh tenure there at bilbao do you see them coming out of the gate uh you know especially with their style their system and so forth battling for that fourth place position this year yeah first of all gabriel i will say that um this, this may not be a, a popular view among all of Barcelona's fans, but I do think Ernesto Valverde is a great coach. And I know he was massively criticised at Barcelona for the style of play, different reasons. Um, but you know, I do think he was working, he, he found probably the best way uh, of working with what he had. Uh, you know, it was difficult with a, a, an ageing Messi and an ageing Suarez in, in that same team. They were successful. They had their disappointments, of course, in the Champions League, uh, the one back-to-back -back league titles. And he's a legend, as I mentioned, at, at Athletic, at San Mames. And so I think he's going to obviously win the respect of the players, some of whom, as you mentioned, he will have worked with before and, 
and others, if he hasn't worked with them before, then they were probably coming through the youth system. So I would say he knows, you know, pretty much all of them, and um, he has. Um, he's very popular with the fans, with everyone at the club. I think that style of play, which was perhaps criticised at Barcelona, at Athletic, you know, that's the way they play. You know, uh, traditionally and historically, um, that kind of football, uh, which was uh, a little bit grating with, with, with Barca fans, perhaps. Um, athletic fans you know, will, will be happy uh, with, with a hard work inside, uh, with you know, quick transitions, counter-attacking football. And I do think, um, yeah, as you say, uh, sometimes when a man new manager comes in at Athletic, the first season is very positive. I think um, he can have that effect. I think they're, they're outsiders for a top four position. You know, because of their their policy of, of signing uh, Basque only players, uh, but I do think they have a chance with with Sevilla um, potentially struggling, struggling as we mentioned. Uh, so I think along with Villarreal, Athletic uh, do have a shot at, at top four and, and definitely top six. And you know that would be a really good story, I think. Yeah, I mean. Again, we, <laughs> as you said, Valverde is a good coach. I just, yeah, I still am jaded by what he did in the Champions League. But yes, you are right. I mean, to, I mean, back-to-back La Liga titles and all that. Now, the next team I wanted to highlight is Valencia. I think he's, I think he's probably still jaded. He's probably still jaded by, by what happened at, at Barcelona. Yeah. In the end, I think the break has probably done him the world For sure. of good. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you saw him during his break, but he grew a full-on beard. Yeah, he had a photo exhibition. <laughs> he had a photo exhibition. He drew, um, yeah, he grew a beard. He talks about yeah. coaching Australia and different places. But um, yeah, I'm sure that, that he's refreshed and and um, it'll be nice for him to be back somewhere where he's, you know, truly appreciated, I would say. Yeah. This season. Yeah, you have a point there. I mean, again, Barcelona can chew you up and spit you out like nothing. So yeah, you definitely need the time to refresh. And I, like I said, I think he is the perfect fit for that team and Bilbao, so we'll see what they do. The next team I want to go over is Valencia. And, you know, I sent you some of the questions I wanted to go over, and I just had them there. What are Valencia doing? I mean, I don't understand. You know, I want Valencia to be good in La Liga because I like the rivalries that it's happened. You know, when I started watching La Liga, Valencia was really a powerhouse, one of the powerhouses in La Liga. And ever since, you know, in the last, you know, five to six years, they've been a non-team, you know, especially like when you talk about the Gary Neville uh, issue, uh, the owners, the players that have come through there. And now with this hiring of Gattuso as manager, I mean, I have no clue of what Valencia is doing uh, going forward. That's right. Well, you know, it hasn't even been five years. If you go back to, you know, 2019, they won the Copa del Rey against Barcelona, which you will remember well. I was at the game in, in, uh, in Seville. And they qualified for the Champions League that season as well under Marcelino. Then, uh, you know, um, shortly after that, a few months down the road, Marcelino is, is sacked. And, you know, ever since then, they've been back to the chaos. <laughs> and it seems to follow them around. But, you know, they don't seem to know when they're onto a good thing. Even last season had some signs of stability with with Bordelas. Okay, it was, um, the football was kind of industrial let's be honest, but they had some stability there. They, 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 they reached the cup final and, and now he's gone and, and Gattuso, is, is he really the right choice? Um, no, he's know, not. He's, he seems I can like, tell you that. <laughs> you know, he seems, uh, he's an explosive character. He, he seems like a bit of a, a ticking time bomb, shall we say. And, uh, and, and that just, 
I suppose sums up Valencia where they are at the moment. They're a, a huge club. They've had success. Um, you know, apart from Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, you know, they, they were the last team to win La Liga. And, and you know, and it was okay, you're going back 20 years now almost. Uh, but not that long ago, they've got good pedigree in the Champions League. They've got uh, an amazing stadium, you know. Um, yeah, it's a shame to see them where they are because, you know, they should be competing at least uh, to be in the Champions League. And uh, this season, I, I just don't see that. I think they were ninth last year. And, um, yeah, I think they'll do well even to to match that this season, honestly. And who knows whether Gattuso will even last this season. It's, it's a soap opera, let's be honest. Nah, I mean, if I were if I were betting on his uh, staying for the season, I would put you know at least a thousand that he wouldn't because, I mean, you could definitely. I mean, like you said, he's a ticking time bomb, and especially with the language barrier, there's going to be issues going on all the time. He's going to get so upset. He's going to be one of those managers uh, this season when watching La Liga and especially uh, El Dia Después, you know, on the on that show that they're just yeah. going to highlight all the jumping jacks that he does during the sidelines of these matches. He's just a clown out there, you know, for the theatrics. Now, if he puts some of that, you know, because as a player, you know, when I think of him as a player, he was, uh, to me, I think of him as like the workhorse, the the engine of that midfield, and he was really great at that, you know. But I don't think of him as like a tactical genius or a tactical captain in the way he managed players' as egos, you know? And that's what you have to do as a manager. And I just, you know, I, especially in his opening conference, press conference, the way he <laughs> just, you know, just comes in with a, with a, you know, blaze of fire coming in in here, you know, and just saying, you know, all the things that he's, oh man, it's, it's just crazy. And it, if I were a Valencia fan, I'd be pretty upset about it because like you said, when I think of Valencia, I think of the glory years, the stadium field, the rivalries and all that stuff. And they're an important team for La Liga. And when they're not performing at a, at a supreme level, it, you know, it suffers. It suffers for sure. Um, really quick. No, I just have... Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing to add to that is that, you know, any coach of Valencia, be it Gattuso, uh, Borrelas, Marcelino, whoever, with these owners, with everything that's going on, the chaos surrounding the stadium, uh, players' contracts being run down, uh, you know, uh, disappointments in the transfer market, um, all sorts of things. There's plenty for the managers to get upset with at Valencia. So in, in that respect, you know, um, we'll have to see what happens with Gattuso. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, he's going to be the favorite of the Chiringuito show and the Dia Después show. I mean, he's going to be an all-time favorite. Really quick before we close out, um, we have a question from one of our patrons, Carlos, and he just asks, who do you think will be the underachieving uh, club of this season, uh, you know, for this La Liga season? And when I saw this question about underachieving, the first team I think of all the time and every time is Celta. I don't know why, because when they play Barca and they play these top-tier teams, they give these top-tier teams a ride, but they're just not consistent enough. They have talent. But I feel like they always underachieve. And even this, you know, last season, they were battling for relegation. And this season, who knows what's going to happen. But whenever I think of underachieving La Liga teams, they're like the first one I think of. What about you? Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny because I have some notes here, and, um, you know, in preparation for this conversation. And with Sevilla was spoken about as potentially dropping out of the top four. Uh, the other team I was going to mention was Celta as well. Yeah. Um, as you say, you know, they've, on their day, they can beat anyone. They've given Barca a, a tough game on, on a number of occasions over the last few years. But their summer has been chaotic. You know, they've lost uh, 
several key players. I think they've only got one striker left at the club. All right, it's Yago Aspas. But can you keep relying upon Yago Aspas year in, year out? You know, he's 35 now, I believe. Uh, there's no Nolito, there's no Bryce Mendes. Uh, there was the fallout with Denis Suarez uh, and the, uh, you know, the feud between him and the president. Um, it's chaos. It's a club in, in chaos. They haven't strengthened as they should have. And uh, I do see them potentially struggling, struggling this season. And it's a club that you hope will, will never uh, go down. I personally think that maybe as a Barca fan, you do hope they will go down because they always <laughs> Barca such a, a tough game. But I personally, I, they're a club that, that I like a lot. And um, I do think they're in for a tough season. though. Yeah, I mean... I feel like there's so much potential for that team, especially when I watch them play. But then week in, week out, I just see them lose to Hitafe, for example, at home. And, and that just shouldn't be, you know? And again, like I said, uh, when I think of underachieving, it's definitely Celta. Just to finish our conversation, are there any players that you're watching for, maybe some young players? I'll give you mine. Mine's not really anyone uh, that no one's ever heard of, but I, I really want to see Jao Felix make the leap. Uh, this season. I think, uh, you know, obviously the past seasons, he's been getting more playing time. It's been inconsistent, you know, for the big matches. But I really think that Diego Simeone needs to really bank on Jao Felix being the full-time starter and really utilize him to the max. Because if he can take that next level, he is a player that I'm excited to watch in La Liga. For example, if I'm flipping through the TV channels and I see Jao Felix playing, he's a player that I definitely want to watch. So I'm excited. I want to see him make the leap for the next level. How about you? Any players that you're watching for? Yeah, first of all, Gabriel, absolutely correct. I agree 100%. I think Joao Felix is a player who could have gone anywhere. You know, he could have gone to pretty much any club um, in Europe. And he was wanted by, by a number of other top clubs. All right, Atletico went and paid the money, 126 million euros, I think it was, in the end to sign him from Benfica. That's a huge transfer fee. It makes him one of the most expensive players in history. And let's be honest, he, we've only seen that intermittently, haven't we, so far. We've seen flashes of brilliance, 21 goals, I think it is, so far. Uh, but he, he hasn't even been uh, you know, first choice all of the time. He's been up and down. And yeah, Atletico, if they are to, to step up this season, if they are to, to challenge you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid for La Liga, um, to improve in, in the Champions League as well after um, you know disappointing couple of seasons in Europe, then he is absolutely key for them, 100%. And you know uh, I I do think uh, tactically as well, um, you know Simeone could, could perhaps give him a, a bit more freedom. It, it's it's a constant dilemma, isn't it, for Atletico? You know people asking every year for Simeone to play a bit more attacking. He always tries to, and then. Uh, results don't don't go so well and he goes back a little bit to his more defensive ideas which is his bread and butter but um, it's a big year for, for Joao Felix because this is his fourth season now I think he's starting at Atletico yeah. we haven't quite seen that so yeah um, apart from him I'm excited to see again not uh, not a new player not a young player but Morales a player who I always mention I think when we talk He's been such a, a great player for Levante. Obviously, they were uh, relegated last season. Now he's at Villarreal. I think he could uh, he could be one to watch uh, going into that exciting team at Villarreal. Um, Barca, obviously, there, there, there were several. 
uh, and uh, who we've mentioned, uh, Lewandowski and um, and Rafinha, Kunde of course as well, Castellanos at Girona, obviously top scorer in in MLS. Uh, for the last uh, year, two years, well, up until he left anyway for, to sign for Girona. You know, that, that's maybe um, an interesting one to look at. Can he replicate that form uh, in La Liga? Um, you know, Girona is obviously very reliant upon Stuani for goals uh, in Segunda and when, when they were in La Liga uh, a few seasons ago. So can Castellanos uh, do it in, in La Liga? I think that's a, a very interesting signing. And, yeah, aside from that, um, who have I got here? Chouamani at Real Madrid. I think it's a, a, a very exciting signing as well. I think Real Madrid's midfield, Casemiro, Modric, Kroos, they've been there for so long. But, um, you know, the, the transition has started. Um, yeah. we, we saw it with Camavinga. Um, we've seen it with Fede Valverde. Now they've got Chouamani uh, as well. It's looking like a much more modern much more dynamic midfield now uh, when they need to, when they need it to be. So I think um, he's going to be a very interesting player to, to watch this season, and uh, yeah, an exciting one. Overall, apart from Real Madrid and Barcelona, there haven't been many new players coming into La Liga this season. It's mostly players changing from one club to another. Um, I guess that, that that's um, because of the, the lack of funds uh, available. Uh, compared to the Premier League and compared to other leagues, um, but uh, there are some interesting, interesting players and, and some interesting stories. I think Espanol uh, could be in for an, a good season. Um, Diego Martinez as coach. I mean, he did great work at Granada. If he can reproduce that kind of work at Espanol, I think they could be in for a, a, a mid-table finish. Uh, maybe improving on last season. Maybe outsiders for Europe. And, and I think El Maria as well uh, could could be one to watch. But yeah, just excited for it all to get going, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the previews that, uh, you know, we do and we talk and we look and everything, it just, anything's possible, right? I mean, that, I think that's the beauty of the preseason and before the start of the season. You just, you know, anything's possible. And especially if you're a team like El Maria, you're just trying to survive and anything's possible. You're in, you're in the show. You're in La Liga, right? And can you survive another year here to stay up? You know, that's going to be their, their, you know, their championship essentially. And like you said, those are great players to watch for. Um, again, the midfield of, of Madrid, like you said, making that transition. I'm, I'm really scared of Kamavinga. He, I think he's a stud and man, he's going, if he continues in the trend that he's going, he's going to be not only a superstar for Madrid, but also for the French national team. And, you know, the French national team, they don't need more quality midfielders. They already have a stacked team, you know? So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he, I agree. He's very, very impressive. And I think Chouamini will, will be also. And, uh, yeah. That's ominously for, for Barca. But, but Barca are looking very strong this season. And, uh, yeah, as you say, I mean, anything can happen. You know, uh, there's, there's going to be a, a bunch of narratives throughout the season. There'll be surprises. And, uh, and that's why we all love it. I think Getafe also... Just to mention, um, Luis Milla, they've signed from, from Granada. I think it's another uh, potentially exciting uh, signing. He's a very tidy midfield player. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So many things. I know, Jimmy Avila. I know. Uh, looking forward to it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too, me too. You wrote a La Liga preview. Where, where can our listeners uh, read that? Yeah, it's just 
just gone up actually. On um, it's it's an app called Footmob. It's F U T M O B. Uh, I'll be posting it on my um, on my Twitter uh, shortly, and I'll be writing weekly pieces, um, you know, reacting to to what's happened every weekend um, on uh, Mondays or Tuesdays. So keep an eye out for those, and uh, yeah, keep an eye out for my uh, on my Twitter, BG Hayward. And um, I'll be posting. I've been quite quiet, actually, on uh, social media for a while, pretty much all summer. But, um, yeah, I'll be back writing about La Liga this season regularly. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, you were pulling a Valverde. You were refreshing. You grew a, a full beard to get ready for the season. <laughs> That's all. I... <laughs> I'm not sure I could even grow a full beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even now. But, yeah, yeah. Very excited about La Liga and being back in Spain shortly as well, hopefully. Awesome. That's great news. Well, Ben, thanks for joining me to take time away from your busy schedule at the Victoria Station, and we'll talk <laughs> soon this, this season. Absolute pleasure, Gabriel. Abrazo. See you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.